fake, fake, fakeity fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienno. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about medically neglecting children with my friend Vienno. Okay, sure. <laughs> that's that's a thing to talk about, I guess. That's a thing we always talk about, yeah. 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 How are you? <laughs> I'm I'm good. Uh, we, you know, just had vacation, so that was nice. Uh, thanks for everyone for, for coming back, since we, we had a delay, a week delay in releasing an episode, so. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be releasing this, and then there should be... In quick succession, the next few episodes should come out. <laughs> we'll see how that goes, if all of our uh, ducks get aligned. But uh, I'm feeling relaxed. How are you, Vienna? Mm, tired. That's that's kind of the main thing right now. Um, it gets dark at 7 p.m. now. I kind of hate that. There's squash, though. There's squash, I guess. So that's something. You need to create a new sun. And then we can be like Tatooine, right? Or is that two moons on Tatooine? Now I can't remember what the Tatooine lore is for. <laughs> that's two suns, but that's not how having binary suns works, Jody. Because they're spinning around each other. If they're spinning around your planet, you got something going wrong. <laughs> I'm fine, sure. I'm just saying if and there's a way that it can work such that we get more sunlight. That <laughs> I'm trying uh, to and if you have... If you have three suns, uh, then you have a, a physics problem called the three-body problem, which is also a very good science fiction book. Well, talk about having no suns because you lost them all to Child Protective Services. Let's get into this episode, shall we? <laughs> that, was a, that was a good transition. I'm proud of you. Uh, I'm not. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. So we're covering the week of September 19th until September 23rd. And so it's, it, it's going to feel somewhat dated, although thankfully one of the stories they covered was not... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It could be it could be done at any time. Like <laughs> it, it was timeless. Yeah, timeless. What uh, jo- what Rebel News is known for? It's <laughs> it's timeless media creations. But a lot of it uh, obviously is dated. Uh, I I will say though. So I mean, this is going to feel dated. But like the material on the 19th was just like so in depth heavy and emotional and rather than me try to explain what ezra is going to be covering on the 19th i figure i would just play the beginning of a show so that you can like understand what we're going to be getting into for this particular day of the week for the rebel news show all right okay hello my rebels some interesting things on social media i don't think that's an oxymoron Half a million Canadians over the weekend tweeted, Trudeau must go. I, I don't think there's ever been a larger Twitter trend in Canada. And the reaction by the Liberal Party was absolutely predictable and depressing. I'll show you all that. Plus, at the end of today's show, I'll, I'll show you a video 
of Justin Trudeau in London having a little party, just dancing and singing and having a great time right before the Queen's funeral. What a disgrace he is. I'll show you all that, but first let me invite you to go to Rebel News Plus. That's right. The journalists at Rebel News are going to talk about the trending Twitter hashtag, Trudeau must go, and then talk about the fact that he sung Bohemian Rhapsody two days before the Queen's funeral. See, I'm mad that he insulted the Queen band by singing their music. (laughs) That is a disgrace. Trudeau must go. Hash, um, hashtag Trudeau must go. I love <laughs> hash hashtag. I do love because like this became like a running theme through like this week's content, and this is the only time we're gonna touch on it. But like <laughs> he keeps on being like millions of people like retweeted this hashtag, and like my feed was full of it, but it was full of lefties mocking the hashtag. So it's, like, amazing that he's taking credit for all of it when I know a good portion of it has to be people mocking the hashtag. The other thing I wanted to comment on was Rebel News Plus. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I just think that's funny. I think that's Paramount Plus, Disney Plus, and Rebel News Plus. Those are my main three subscription services. And, and all it is, is you get the video portion of the free audio podcast, which is what we cover. And on top of that, you get, uh, I guess, uh, some of the extra episodes by David Menzies and Sheila Gunn-Reed. <laughs> now, listener, if you go to patreon.com slash imperial news, you'll get to see um, the Rebel News Plus version of us. Imperial News Plus. You get to see our faces when we talk. That not not to downsell us, but you won't get like you'll get to see our faces, which arguably are better faces than Ezra's. So that's a plus. That's I the imperial. I think news that's plus inarguable. <laughs> what is it? arguable? Inarguable. inarguable. You said arguable. Okay. Sorry, sorry. I'm saying if you're going to make a good argument, it has to be that our faces are better. But. <laughs> but uh, we will not have the poorly paid intern that will throw up random images on the screen <laughs> that uh, you would get on Ezra's show. So. Okay, yes, we won't do that. However, we also will not upload an episode with one title yeah. and upload the previous episode's <laughs> audio to that title. So... You know, you win some, you lose some. You know, it never happened this week. So they're they're on the ball again. They uploaded every proper episode this week. So Wow. Gold stars. <laughs> oh dear lord. Our Patreon viewers will get to see me eat this scoop of ice cream. Oh, ooh, you're missing out, audio listeners. <laughs> I uh yeah, there was nothing to talk about this episode. I just, I, I, lo- I love it. Hashtag and Trudeau sang a song two days before the Queen. Trudeau must go. Yeah. Oh, so the interview segment is with this person named uh, Alum Bakari. He's been on before. He's mainly on to talk about social media from the right wing. He works for Breitbart. And, you know, he's on here to talk about social media stuff and how you know the right wing 
get shadow banned and like also to promote that stupid hashtag and all this stuff. So it's it's not worth going over. But every time that he's on Alumbakari, I love reminding people that he's mostly known for being a ghostwriter for Milo Yiannopoulos and was famous for ghostwriting an article which was used by Breitbart to try to mainstream what was called the Dark Enlightenment and uh, and neo-Nazis, basically. So it's great. You know, Ezra, total uh, not a Nazi, constantly has on this guy who ghost wrote an article to promote Nazism. <laughs> he ghost wrote it, though, Jody. Tr- true. It was the ghost version of him, not... Not the real him. He could take no blame because he was haunted the whole time. <laughs> yes, he was haunted by a Nazi ghost. What could he do but write a Nazi article? <laughs> oh, dear Lord. So now, moving on to the 20th, Ezra spends the whole episode talking to a lawyer named Keith Wilson. We've covered him before. There's n- nothing special to go over. Keith Wilson is just a, a JCCF lawyer, basically. And he's on to talk about Brian Peckford, who again was the premier of Newfoundland, who was who's the last remaining living premier or ex-premier uh, who was around when the Charter of Rights and Freedoms was put into law. So he's like looked upon by the right as this guy who like really knows the Charter of Rights and Freedoms because he was there. He was there when it happened. And he filed this charter challenge and keith wilson of the jccf is representing him the reason why they have this entire episode dedicated to this topic is because brian peckford he did this charter challenge and it was directed towards like the airplanes and it was like due to like the covid mandates and he argued that this violated their charter rights of freedom of movement or whatever but since they filed the charter challenge most of the mandates have gone away (laughs) in fact in terms of the airport pretty much everything except for arrive can at this point in the timeline had gone away so the government was filing a motion to to basically argue that the case is moot it was a mootness motion to basically say that because you know there are no more mandates there's no point in filing the charter challenge because it's done and they of course were going to defend that like it's not moot this is an important thing that we should discuss whether it's a charter, like whether it uh, challenged the charter now in case there's future times when they want to use these things kind of thing, right? So they want to prevent the government from being able to mandate anything about airplanes in the future. That stuff was going to happen the day after Keith Wilson was on his show. And as far as I can tell, like no, nothing has come out as to whether the court agreed with the government or whether whether they agreed with Keith Wilson and Brian Peckford. So they still haven't come out with a ruling, as far as I could tell, whether or not they're just going to moot the case and move on. We should be allowed to bring rats with fleas onto airplanes and move them from city to city. Well, yeah, of course. I should, yeah. <laughs> I should say, since we're talking about the Trudeau must go hashtag, Keith Wilson's Twitter feed right now is just nonstop him retweeting people who are posting that hashtag. <laughs> Congrats, Keith. You did it. Congrats. So now on to the 21st. David Menzies is the co-host for that day. Or I should say the guest host because Ezra's not even there. 
And David, the last few times he's co-hosted, his main thing has been complete. He either talks about Patrick Brown or he complains about uh, other journalists. And so this week we get the complaining about other journalists part of David Menzies. And there's two people that are like in his sights. So you get him targeting David Aiken and also Rachel Gilmore. And both of those are, are like regular people now that like David Aiken has been around for a while and they've constantly criticized him, but they're really like starting to amp up their like criticisms of Rachel Gilmore. And both of them work for Global News out of Ottawa. So David also makes it a piece about Global News generally. The criticisms of David Aiken are like weird because David Aiken used to work for or work with both Ezra and David Menzies at Sun Media. And so there's an aspect in which David Menzies feels like betrayed by David Aiken because they used to be office buddies, according to him. And now David uh, David Aiken is saying that David Menzies is just someone who harasses people and calls it journalism, which wow. is something that I say. <laughs> so how dare you, David Aiken? Like, yes, that's that, that is a professional attack, but it is also a like, yeah, you're a shitty person type of comment, which is not untrue. You know, yeah. like, yeah, Menzies, you are a piece of shit, but. Like, I can understand why David Menzies is hurt. But then again, like, like again, this is supposed to be a news show, not an airing of personal grievances. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's news, Jody. Breaking this just in <laughs> a reporter at Global News personally attacked me. Yeah. But then we get to Rachel Gilmore. And of course, of course, like with Rachel Gilmore. She's someone who, I think recently she like spoke at an anti-hate event as well. And so she's she's been targeted by like the Diagonal group. And so she's really been going after the far right in Canada. And because of that, uh, Rebel has been going after her. But also because she's a young woman, uh, seems to be the line of attack from them. Mm-hmm. Now, I am going to play the sort of initial start to Menzies' criticism of her. Only to highlight, like, how he talks about her. Like, and and how he ends up, like, trying to criticize her. So here's David Menzies uh, covering Rachel Gilmore. Then again, Aiken does work out of the Ottawa Bureau of Global News, which is also home to that pathetic drama queen that is Rachel Crimer. I mean, Rachel Gilmore. You see, Rachel has incessantly droned on and on about being attacked because she is a female journalist. Yeah, I know, that sounds serious, doesn't it, folks? Except that she hasn't actually been physically manhandled like my beloved female colleagues at Rebel News, such as Sheila Gunn-Reed and Alexa Lavoie, Andrea Humphrey. They've all been on the receiving end of physical assaults from Antifa creeps to trigger-happy members of law enforcement. No, little darling Rachel is crying about mean tweets. Oh, poor baby. I hear she's even teared up on occasion, her makeup meltdown resembling a Tammy Faye Baker slobber fest, except with Rachel, you get the added annoyance of vocal fry. Wow. At the end there, he starts like, he's basically scrolling through Rachel Gilmore's tweets and like criticizing. So the, the vocal fry thing wasn't even like, 
it was like something not associated with what he was talking about, where she was like crying in like a joke, sort of like TikTok thing. And then like he also comments about like her getting a tattoo, which was on TikTok. And like he starts like critiquing her Twitter feed. And it's like, you're supposed to be a journalist, David. <laughs> you're the only rebel news person who has a degree in journalism, David. And now you're just scrolling somebody's fucking Twitter feed to be like, Ugh, why are you so mean to us? Look at you fake crying and you're, you're complaining you're being harassed. And just like in the most misogynistic way possible, like just that whole string of words from him was just like, you're a woman and you're complaining. Like, oh, and, and the misogyny is uh, worse. Uh, I am going to play another clip in a second. But it is I'm worth sure it is. <laughs> it is worth just stating here though that like she has been on the receiving end of death threats since uh the Diagalon group has been going after her. And a reminder, Diagalon, they're a bunch of white supremacists, uh white nationalists who uh, some of them were arrested in coots for allegedly plotting to kill police officers. So you know, receiving death threats from people like that uh, are probably a little bit more serious than just, like, people being mean to you on Twitter. That being said, David Menzies does get super gross uh, and icky, especially because I brought this up the last time Menzies talked about Rachel Gilmore, which is at some point Rachel Gilmore had a picture that was pinned to her Twitter profile that was her showing off that she got a booster shot for the vaccine. Yeah. The right wing it's like it's like this weird thing where you have this young woman wearing semi-revealing clothing that they just like they're like simultaneously like angry about it and yet can't stop talking about it in like the creepiest ways like possible, you know? And uh so this is David Menzies doing that. That's another thing. Rachel just loves taking her blouse off. For the longest while, she had a photo of her pinned to her Twitter account bragging about her latest COVID-19 vaccine shot. Who does that? Who posts their medical history on social media? And does this NPC think it's actually an achievement to get jabbed with a needle? But again, much like Aiken, she's demonstrating to the kennel master that Rachel Gilmore is a good little compliant reporter when it comes to vaccine mandates and that she's doing her best to gin up pro-vax propaganda. Trudeau must be smiling when it comes to the behavior of this little media minion. But Rachel, here's some advice for you that will truly advance your career given that you are such a shameless exhibitionist. Next time you get a one-on-one -on -one interview with Sugar Daddy Justin, by all means, take off your blouse again. Prime Minister McGropey will really like that. <laughs> Just ask Rose Knight. Now, of course, Rose Knight is the person who uh, Justin Trudeau had groped, and she was a reporter, and it came out and all this. So, like, you know, fuck Justin Trudeau. This isn't... But it's like... It, the thing that's, like, fucked up about this is, like, not that it matters the way like Rachel Gilmore looked in this photo, but she was wearing a top. Yeah. And yet he's like talking about her. Like it was okay. Like a tank top maybe. And not a blouse. I'm not a, 
a fashionista. So I, <laughs> I, I would just say she was wearing a top, you know, but like because it was just like a slightly more revealing top than just a normal blouse, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, she's she's someone who would, I guess, sleep with people in power to get ahead kind of thing. Mm hmm. It's fucked up. Yeah. Part of me, I didn't play it last time. Uh, David Menzies did this because, like, there's an aspect of it which there's, like, very little to comment on. Just It's, like, on its face, like, gross. But then, like, after it happened again, I'm like, there is an element in documenting the, like, frequency of misogyny here. Like, it, it's just, like, whenever we talk about young women on this show, like, whenever Ezra or David Menzies are talking about young women on this show, it's always sexualized. Always. Even when it's yeah, like yeah. right wing women. It's just like creepy and disgusting. Like they like especially David seems to get like such joy out of the opportunity to like be a creepy misogynist. Like whenever it's kind of like he gets permission to whenever these people get brought up because it's just like, oh boy, a woman that we hate, I get to like go full out. And it's just always like the grossest shit. So that's why I played it. But uh, it's weird because, like, again, I feel bad for Rachel. I, I say uh, everyone should go out and uh, support her because she has been poking the bear a lot and is obviously it is increasing the extent to which the far right in Canada is going after her. So, uh, you know, I... I she seems to be someone who's a little bit more supportive of Trudeau than I am, but I still think she's deserving of some report, uh, support for what she's doing. So, Episode itself ends where David Menzies interviews Franco Terrazano of the Taxpayer Federation. We've talked about him a bunch of times, and he's literally on just to complain about how, how taxes are bad. And <laughs> I don't care. Thank you, Franco. Uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's my opinion about that. On September 22nd, the first half of the show is rather boring as well. So Ezra, he thinks that the government is going to get rid of the Arrive Can app soon. Uh, or actually, he doesn't think that. He's kind of like skeptical. He's like, they say they're going to do it, but are they going to get rid of the Arrive Can app? And we know uh, as people in the future that they did, in fact, get rid of the app. But yeah. uh yeah, so he doesn't think it's going to happen. But he's like, but even if they do get rid of it, they're going to bring it back in the future. <laughs> I don't think they will. That thing fucking sucked. Like, it was the most poorly made app I think I have ever used. Yeah, but it's a part of the Great Reset, so they got to bring it back. Because they're going to build it back better? <laughs> It really is amazing how much the, like, feds dropped the ball on all of the COVID apps, though. Like, there was the uh, the tracking one where they are like, oh, don't worry, it won't leak your data. And then, like, immediately it was like, oh, shit, no, never mind, it's leaking your data. <laughs> and then there was the ArriveCan one where it's like, half the time your shit just didn't upload. And you needed it to get onto a plane to enter the country. And it was not communicated to people who weren't canadian in advance um like i had an experience on a at an airport in germany uh trying to come back to canada 
in the summer and like there was this Eritrean couple ahead of me who were like gotta be at least in their 70s um they only had like Eritrean papers so I'm presuming that they weren't like Canadian citizens or like anything like that so they might have been visiting they might have been immigrants they might you know whatever didn't have any English language papers on them didn't seem to really like understand English that well and it was like a whole thing and I was right next to them because my shit just didn't upload either so like they eventually got to go because they had physical papers but I had physical papers and because I was Canadian they were just like "Mm, no it has to be on the app I can see that you have like the PDF it's got to be on the app and like it was it was those exact issues the entire fucking line like that's uh yeah <laughs> yeah no like it was insanely poorly created poorly thought out like just like i you know i'm sympathetic in some respects to like the yeah you know you want to encourage people to get vaccinated whatever but it's just like make a fucking app that works who the hell is the government employing to or just allow for, make a mobile for apps. means that like you could have it where you don't need the app like having papers or documentation like i don't know mm-hmm. it's just like yeah the, the rollout of a lot of these things was just yeah it, it strikes me i mean i know a lot more about this in the american context sadly just because of all the shit that's come out with like donald trump and uh uh his son-in-law whose name is escaping me right now kushner (laughs) uh he he was like giving out deals with people like it's like one of those things where i feel like the liberal government probably was doing this as well where it's like they have their like favorite firm and they just give them a thing oh you created over here and like throw a bunch of money at it or something but i i bet that didn't happen i bet this was an in-house job and that was part of the reason why it was so trash. Like, because they cut all the funding for, like, all of the pandemic preparation, right? And so this was probably just, like, tech people who generally run, like, the government websites poorly. And, like, you know, just do that kind of stuff. So they're used to, like, basic UI stuff, you know. The UI for the apps wasn't that bad. But then, like, the actual implementation of it, especially when you have to rush to get things out, it's going to be shitty. Like, and it's just kind of like, yeah, they weren't prepared for this, but also they actively made sure they weren't prepared for this. So, get fucked, idiots. Yeah, my guess is it's it's either that or it's, like, again, it's their buddies who weren't necessarily good. They just knew them and, like, threw money at them. I mean, at least that happened in the American context. But either way, what you get is shitty products. <laughs> uh, now, like, getting to the the interview section of this episode. Because, you know, beyond what we just talked about, Arrive Can, like, Ezra just takes the whole time. I mean, he, he complained about similar stuff that you complained about, but also, like, extended it to, like, you know, this is the globalist plan, blah, 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 World Economic Forum, Great Reset, and, like, I don't care. <laughs> there's only, there's nothing I can do with those uh, conspiracy theories, because there's no, it's just, like, World Economic Forum, bad. 
you know, debunked. There you go. Done. I don't think they're bad. <laughs> well, I don't think they're bad in the way that they say that they're bad. That's a better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it really was just like a stupid thing because it's like we already have vaccine rules for entry. You have to show some proof of vaccination for a lot of things. Just keep it like that and add the COVID vaccines. Yeah, I mean, but like government incompetence as like a story is like obvious and evergreen but like for them it's like it's not spicy enough they gotta add some like their incompetence is a direct result of the globalist conspiracy (laughs) the globalists told them to be incompetent and make a shitty app it's like i have reason to believe that like they had somewhat good thoughts of just like oh yeah there's this pandemic thing like yeah okay we should do something but like they're they're too incompetent to pull it off correctly, you know. Yeah, you just know that they they like <laughs> you know, the liberals dragged some like computer nerd they had in a back room out and were like, Hey, can you make us an app? And the guy was like oh, What? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. So now we get to the main story that I wanted to cover, uh, which is an interview with in-house employee Jeremy Lafredo. And Jeremy Lafredo, if all of you remember, a couple weeks ago we talked about the Amish farmer who was selling like raw milk and was possibly connected to a Listeria outbreak. And Lafredo went on Tucker Carlson to talk about how this is like the American government cracking down on those like those freedom farmers out <laughs> the Amish freedom farmers out there with the raw milk government's trying to prevent people from getting the good natural stuff. And uh, I just thought it was a weird story. We covered it, but I feel like this is going to be this guy's beat. Jeremy Lafredo is going to be this kind of like, like crunchy. I like natural and like, free range medicine bad type stuff and run with it and they're going to get him to cover all these stories in america and so we get another story this week uh, that is i I mean in this general sort of like field but uh, slightly different than the amish story and it involves a child which lafredo describes as being medically kidnapped at the Kansas City, Missouri Children's Mercy Hospital. And I'm going to start by playing a clip of Lafredo explaining the background to this story. But I also left in Ezra at the beginning of the clip just to highlight how much Ezra stresses that they want to be factually accurate. So I wanted to leave that in because, of course, as we go through this, one of the things that we're going to be asking is like, all right, how much of the information are we getting? How Like, what's being omitted? All, like, all that kind of fun stuff. So I'll leave that in, but here's, here's how they set up and describe to us what the situation is. Jeremy, great to see you again. You're always doing interesting work. I want to make sure I've accurately described what is happening to Evelyn and her parents. Why don't you give us a summary? I want to make sure we get this just exactly factually accurate. Sure, yeah, this is a harrowing story out of Kansas City, Missouri. We have the Children's Mercy Hospital. Um, It's one of the most prestigious children's research hospitals um, in the Midwest. 
And um, they've been accused uh, time and time again by uh, different families of, you know, they're calling it, quote, medical kidnapping. Now, what is medical kidnapping? It's when um, a family brings their child to the doctor or to the hospital. And once the family, you know, disagrees with the treatment or has questions or concerns or, you know, is a, um, you know, sufficient advocate for the child, um, the hospital calls Child Protective Services or, you know, the state and they get involved and they no, no longer have custody over their own children. Um, this is what we call medical kidnapping. Um, so this is what's happening to uh, 10-year-old Evelyn Young in Kansas City. Um, her family brought her in because uh, she had a swollen face and a swollen tummy. And um, after the hospital tried a few things, um, they tried a, a pharmaceutical treatment that actually made Evelyn go temporarily blind and uh, caused encephalopathy, which is the swelling of the brain. So the family um, was you know, very upset, very angry at this. And when they told the, the hospital that they di disagreed with the treatment is when Child Protective Services was called. So right now they're in a legal battle for the custody of their own daughter, which they brought to the hospital um, because they were concerned for her health. And um, uh, Rebel News actually got involved. We got involved. We went to Kansas City. Um, we're helping, the, we're trying to help the family get back um, custody of their child um, at saveevelyn.com. So he basically goes into the pitch like... Uh... So it's unclear to me whether they actually like hired a lawyer for them or if they already had a lawyer, Rebel's just going to be covering the cost and they're going to cover the cost by you visiting this website and of course sign the petition, et cetera, et cetera, right? So of course they, they got to make their own scratch on the side uh, over this story that they've created, right? But beyond that aspect of it, wh what do you think is going on here? What do you, what do you, what do you think of this story so far? I don't know. Presumably, they're doing something. The parents are doing something bad that made their child have this reaction. Now, that's that's information that I don't necessarily have uh, all the details to. Or at least, let's just say I'm pretty sure... I, I will say this. I'm pretty sure that the condition that the child has... Or I have no reason, I, I'm now I'm walking about the pretty sure. I have no reason to suspect that the condition she has was caused by anything the parents did. I'll just say that. Uh, but beyond that, the, there's some other questions going on here. I, the next clip that I'm going to play is the lawyer sort of giving the, the legal background. And then after we're done that, I'll sort of break down what's going on here but like the lawyer here sort of like elucidates what so from what you what you already understand with jeremy lafredo's coverage is that the child was taken by the state under their custody legally so there's like a document that explains that the government the state government can legally do that and so now they've hired a lawyer in order to get arguing court to get the child back basically so the lawyer is going to explain that sort of. Our first goal is to get the custody of Evelyn back to Justin and Jesse. And I think that if we can get reasonable people to look at the facts in this case, I think it's very obvious um, on our side that this is not a medical neglect case. This is a case of two parents who have done an enormous amount of research and want to do what is best for their child. And so questioning um, any type of medication or procedure or wanting a second opinion is not neglect in our eyes. It is actually um, be doing their due diligence and being good parents. 
So of course it's it's the getting of this second opinion. It's like they they should be allowed to get just go out there and get a second opinion. How are they being criticized for wanting a second opinion? And what do you think, Vino? Should people be able to get second opinions? No. <laughs> There's one opinion and we all have to share. I will say there's some caution to like uh, how they're framing that like this kind of like do your own research or the fact that like these parents did all this research. That that to me should already be a red flag. That of course doesn't mean that you can't be someone who's like well versed or can like figure some of this stuff out. But there is a sense of which like. You know, if you think about how people do research today on the Internet and then you have medical practitioners who should, based on their training, have some sort of expertise in this field. Now, of course, there could be exceptions to this. This is why I'm framing it as should. But, like, for a parent to go in there, and this can often happen. Like, I'm not saying this is necessarily what happened in this case, but it can often happen where the parents, like, come at the doctors being like, here's what's wrong, here's what you need to do, or whatever, right? When it's like the doctors are like, no, like, we have a better understanding of what is going on here, right? And so to me, there's, like, slight red flags already sort of appearing there. Now, before I go into more details about Evelyn's specific case, I do want to point to briefly that Lafredo in the previous clip mentioned that there are other cases of medical kidnappings from this hospital which is then used as evidence to suggest that there's something particularly wrong with this hospital, like they're just the medical kidnapping hospital. <laughs> they're just, just snatching everyone's kids, you know? And and so, like, in his YouTube videos on this story, because there's other YouTube, like, videos that he's posted that were not covered in, like, Ezra's show that we just listened to, uh, both them explaining it and then the lawyer talking, uh, and in those clips, Lafredo ends up talking with two other moms who, over the years, had their children taken from the hospital. And that's important to note that, like, there are these other cases. But even, like, I'm not going to go out and research every single case that he brings up. But it's like, you got to imagine, like, decades of a hospital running. There's going to be a few cases like this, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean, for one, it could mean that there are actual cases of neglect in which the hospital did the right thing. But I also think there's possibility of like overreach, right? I'm not going to sit here and pretend like child protective services uh, are perfect in every case and that like there's never been abuse in the system. Because especially as we know in, in Canada, in terms of indigenous families, like child protective services has not been like, 100% the best in dealing with these things. I don't think that any of those kind of prejudice are going on in this case, but like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like they're perfect. But I also think they're necessary, <laughs> you know, in case people are actually medically neglecting their children, which we can sort of assess that in a second, you know. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, so Lafredo, so he mentions all these other families, but then he even discusses how there was this state senator from Missouri who introduced a bill that was to protect families from overreach by the state's children's division, which is their protective services. And this senator specifically mentioned an incident at Children's Mercy's Hospital. So it's used by Lafredo to be like, oh, look, he cited an example from this hospital. Therefore, there's something wrong with this uh, hospital. And it was done to motivate... Uh, the bill that was to, to prevent the overreach. 
And the thing that you have to know is like one of the pe- one of the groups of people that severely hate child protective services is the far right Christians. <laughs> okay? And yeah. uh this state senator is a far right Christian. I mean, he's publicly promoted bills that would force people to pray in public uh positions. He uh supported a bill that would have denied women the ability women or people with uteruses the ability to purchase contraception so this is a far-right christian senator who is the one supporting the bill to like prevent overreach from the state in terms of child protective services and a lot of this comes from the idea that again uh you know we've talked about this many times on the show especially regarding uh the sort of like narratives about trans uh youth as well which is this idea that like children belong to the family and they're your property and your ownership and that's a lot of of how the christians think of the child protective services which is sort of like how we discipline how we treat our children that's our thing and the state should never be involved in that where my opinion is that like no i think that like yes within reason you should have the right to teach your kids whatever but you don't have the right to abuse your kid and you don't have the right to medically neglect them in in my humble opinion <laughs> but of course you know the christian right are the ones that are supporting uh, these things and I, and i will say in terms of this bill passed by this state senator i looked mm-hmm. into it as far as i'm aware it went into effect august of 2022 which means that this bill to prevent overreach from child protective services was in effect when the hospital ended up taking evelyn Wow. <laughs> so, uh, so you might argue they might argue that like their case is different, and the bill that was preventing overreach wasn't going to apply to their case or something. Or you could say, in the face of the fact that this bill was passed, this case goes beyond that in some capacity. So now to Evelyn's case. According to Evelyn's mom, Evelyn was diagnosed with what's called nephrotic syndrome which is basically the kidneys failing to work properly. And they had Evelyn on a treatment of corticosteroids, which is the normal course of action, uh, according to the National Institutes of Health. So most of the information I got is from the NIH website in terms of how to deal with this. And how she describes what occurred seems like, yeah, that's exactly what the NIH says, how you should treat nephrotic syndrome. So, uh, I don't think she's making up any of this, 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 the, these parts of the details of the story, right? Yeah. So they had her on corticosteroids, and then Evelyn of Evelyn's mom eventually started to get worried because after like, and, and it was hard, sort of like how she was telling the stories. It sounds like it was like several days close to like weeks, maybe even more than like one week that she's been in the hospital on these corticosteroids, right? And one of the things you do for someone with this syndrome, because you can't just keep pumping someone with corticosteroids, is you there's another treatment where you introduce uh, these immunosuppressant drugs, right? And I don't know all the like physiology of how this works or how these drugs are supposed to help, but according to the NIH website, this is very common. That's how you, you treat what's going on here. But once the, the doctors finally came forward and introduced this new drug that they were going to give Evelyn after being on the corticosteroids for a while, 
that's when Evelyn's mom sort of describes how she's starting to feel uneasy about this. So she then names the brand of this drug, which is called Celsept. And you can tell by the way she talks about it, where like she gets really freaked out about the supposed side effects that could come from this. And of course, hones in on some of the like more severe adverse reactions that are possible from taking this medication. Evelyn's mom claims that the uh, use of Celsep, which she was so nervous about, ended up causing Evelyn to vomit and also caused her to have eye problems because of some sort of like encephalopathy that she developed. Although I will say in her telling of it, it's unclear to me whether she's just guessing there's encephalopathy going on there or if encephalopathy like really happened. But I will play a clip of her sort of explaining, explaining this to Jeremy Lafredo uh, just so you get like, her telling of it, sort of. At least this this part when they talk about the introduction of Celsept to the treatment of Evelyn. I was concerned with the vomiting, but I was not like terrified. And I was already like, Justin, I think this is gonna turn for the worst. And I really, she is currently, her vitals are stable and she is non-emergent. And I've been looking up the laws and we have every right to go get her to a second opinion. And I want to do that. So let's start kind of planning that. And then like halfway through the day, I was rubbing her back from when she was vomiting and she was like, mom, where are you? And I was right in front of her face. So like Celsept made her blind. But the blindness was actually from the encephalopathy that Celsept caused. So the encephalopathy created like a cascade of really serious effects. And she was unconscious for like two and a half days just because of the Celsept that I said, something doesn't feel right for my kid. And they completely dismissed me. And then it happened. It is currently on suspended on her medical record, but it should say discontinued. They're still like, hey, maybe we can try that again. So I'm really scared for her. Notice, like, there's aspects in the way she talks about this, which is, again, somewhat red flaggy to me, which is the idea of, like, knowing what caused what in this circumstance, which is something that mm -hmm. like, even the doctors would never say. Like, they wouldn't say, oh, yes, this is caused by this. That's kind of, like, not something that most doctors would say. Unless it's in a casual tone, I guess, maybe. But uh, I will say, as far as I could tell in reading about Celsept, it doesn't directly cause encephalopathy, but instead makes you more prone to brain infections since it is an immunosuppressant drug. And the thing that's interesting is, like, none of, none of the descriptions of, like, what this encephalopathy does to somebody in, like, Celsept's, like, literature describes blindness. However, the use of corticosteroids, one of the side effects of long-term corticosteroid use is, is blindness or like partial blindness or problems with the eyes. And yeah. so to me, it's like she might be like mixing up like various things. But then it's like if the overuse of the corticosteroids to fix her kidneys was causing the eye problems, that's probably why they moved to the cell set treatment. Like, I don't know. It's like if I'm guessing, like, I feel like the, the, like. She has it in her mind that the first treatment was fine, but the doctors are going, we're good. Like, they have previous knowledge of how other people have sort of, like, turned out and therefore have, like, 
more knowledge about this than this woman who did her own research by reading like the the uh you know the side effects of this drug and therefore had a feeling of like where there was was going and started to panic right and there's aspects in which she describes how they try to remove her from the hospital because after this she tries to make it sound like she was fine and in stable condition even after this like blindness and stuff like this and so they tried to remove her from the hospital while she even had an IV in her. And, like, the security had to, like, forcefully stop the, the child. And they even described how the guard had to, like, stick his foot in the wheelchair to stop the spokes from turning and stuff like this. And they described, like, how, how ridiculous that these people were doing this, right? And they believe it was their right to just remove their child at that point. However, the problem is with nephrotic syndrome is what... If the corticosteroids don't work and the immunosuppressants don't work to bring down the nephrotic syndrome, she could be heading towards kidney failure, which would mean she needs a transplant for new kidneys. And if you just remove her from the hospital, she could die, right? Like, it's not... I'm sure that what you could do, there's probably some way to get a second opinion by being like, we're going to transfer you to another hospital. But you can't mm -hmm. just, like... We're going to stop treatment, risk death, and remove the child from the, the hospital. I have a question for you. What do you, what do you think, th like, they think the hospital is doing by preventing them from leaving? Right? Because, like, out of all of this, my, my first thought was just, like, why would the hospital be doing this to them? <laughs> you know? Why wouldn't they just let the kid leave? Obviously, I'm, I'm leaning towards it actually was medical neglect. But in their minds, they feel like it isn't. So why, why do they think the hospital is preventing them from leaving? They want to take their kids away because they're God-fearing Christians. It's even weirder than that. They think it's because the hospital wants to protect their ego. <laughs> they say that constantly. Like, it's this idea like the, the hospital thinks that they just know everything. And that if you take them to get a second opinion, they're going to be proven wrong. And so therefore they're like forcing them at gunpoint to like stay right however that doesn't explain how they were able the hospital how they were able to successfully petition the government and get a court order to take custody of their child <laughs> right that should take more than ego because then now you're getting into the court how does the court allow this to happen if it was just the hospital's ego to like stop them from leaving so before, yeah. <laughs> before we get to the court, I got one more subtle clip here, which is Lafredo uh, interviews the father as well. And I will say the clip of the mother and the father, these are both from the YouTube comment. None of this appears in any of the Ezra content. From the Ezra content, all we get is that this was a case of medical neglect from a family that wanted to get a second opinion. That's it. <laughs> right? Any, all of this detail is all from the YouTube content produced by Lafredo. So here is the interview with the father. And what we're going to find out is that there's issues in terms of her vaccine status, as well as the fact that she was homeschooled gets brought up. So let's hear the father describe that. Her not being vaccinated was reported on there multiple times as an issue that needed to be addressed. And there needs to be a solution on their part to that. So that's one point of neglect. Also in the reports, um, we homeschool, and that was in there a lot. And I'm just curious, you know, when they report on other kids, if they note 
oh, well, they go to public school. Oh, well, they, you know, I, I'm just not sure why that is an important note. Um, her education status when we're here for medical reasons, not educational reasons. It blows my mind that they can do this and get away with it. So you can tell, like, the way they're framing this is, like, it's also, like, they have it out for, like, homeschooling, you know. Uh, now, that makes me curious. I want to see the court documents. I tried to go through the Missouri State page to see any documents. And, of course, because this has to do with a, a child custody case, they don't publicly publish these documents. And fair. Yeah. I understand it. However, in the video, for a split second, Jeremy Lafredo flashes this image with some writing on it, but it's, it's basically devoid of any content other than to highlight that they mentioned the vaccine stuff. I want you, Viano, to pull up the, the tweet that Jeremy Lafredo has, which contains the image I'm talking about. And I want you to first read the, the legible sentence that's fully read there. Now, it's a partial sentence, but why don't you, uh, you read that for me? Never been to a doctor and has never received vaccinations. Preferring natural homeopathic <laughs> remedies for treatment of illness. So the, the other part, that was the partial part, the homeopathic stuff. But I'm like, all of these points should be brought up, shouldn't they? <laughs> like, if the hospital goes to the legal court and goes, oh, hey, they've never vaccinated their kids, never taken their child to a doctor, and also they prefer giving their child homeopathic treatments... Now, that's all we get in these, like, cut-off sentences on this thing. There's probably more in there, and there's probably more context to how they know that they prefer homeopathic treatments. Like, I wonder if them trying to get a second opinion was them wanting to take their daughter to a homeopathic clinic or something. Probably. To me, like, this, this is, the, like, the most damning thing, where it's like, none of that, none of that at all is ever brought up in any of Lafredo's reporting on this and any of like Ezra's coverage on his fucking podcast. And yet they're getting people to donate to their thing because this poor family is being abused by the government and having their kids taken away. And I should say, in case anyone's sitting there being like, what's, why is this an issue? I mean, like if the vaccine stuff and never taking your child to a doctor already doesn't bug you, homeopathy is basically magic. And what I mean by basically, it was by some crank dude who believed that like cures like. And so the idea was you take a substance and it makes you like sweaty and phlegmy. And then you'll go, oh, well, like when you have a cold or when you're sick, you're sweaty and phlegmy. So give this substance to cure the thing that you have since it causes it. But of course, because it causes it, that's not good. So it has to be highly diluted in order for the like to be curing the like. And the dilution process is you take a tiny drop of the substance that causes the sweaty and the mucusy stuff, and you drop it into like a thing of water, and then you shake mm. the thing of water, and then you take a drop of that, and you do that like hundreds of times. And this violates what's called Avogadro's limit, which means the at the end there, the final thing of water that you have, it contains absolutely none of the original substance. <laughs> It's physically impossible for any of the original substance to be in the final vial, okay? Now, 
Some may also say, well, then how is it supposed to do anything since you're basically just drinking water and there's nothing of the, you know, the light cures like. And that's when they go, oh, it's because water has a memory. And then you might go, but wouldn't water have the memory of anything else that it's touched? Yes. And they go, oh, no, because when they do the dilution, every time they shake the bottle in certain ways, which magically aligns the water particles to only remember the original substance that you put in. <laughs> All this is to say, it, they've never done better than a placebo test. And so, it you know, some people get better in terms of like, if you have a headache and you take a homeopathic remedy, it's probably you psychologically based on the placebo effect getting better from your headache. But when it comes to like your kidneys failing, taking a homeopathic remedy is not going to help you in any way. It's just magic. And by me saying it's just magic, it's me saying it doesn't work. Yes, I, I guess if, if they really wanted to get a second opinion on homeopathy, the hospital had a right to take this kid from this family, in my opinion. I think we recently had, uh, like a couple of years ago, a huge case where there was a, a, an Alberta family that basically killed their child by giving it homeopathy. So, good times. <laughs> but Jody... Don't they have the right? The freedom? Yeah, don't they have the don't they have the freedom to kill their child? I would argue that no, they don't. They don't have that right. You do not have the right to torture or kill your child. Hmm. I don't know, Jody. That that doesn't sound very free to me. Well, it doesn't sound very free to the child, but if you're torturing and killing them, in my personal humble opinion. Silly Jody, thinking that, thinking that children are people. <laughs> you know what? So here's here's what's even great. He uh, ended one of his YouTube videos with this far out conspiracy theory that's incredible. So there's this woman named Nancy Schaefer, and she was a Georgia state senator, who she was sort of like famous because she wrote a report that was like very critical of child protective services. And again, she was a hardcore Christian conservative. So like was against gay marriage was against abortion. Like all the, the Christian conservative uh, Christian fascist talking points. She was right there. Right. So she creates yeah. this huge document that was very critical of child protective services. And then like a couple years later, she died. Now, Lafredo says in his YouTube clip, that she was mysteriously murdered and suggests that she was murdered by like the government to hide her to somehow like end her looking into child protective services or some shit, even though she already released her report. Okay. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. She had more facts hidden in the wings or something. They had to like kill her. Right. And, and what's wild about this is the only source that he gives is from the Southern, it was like a newspaper that's affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention, which is the church she belongs to that also hates the child protective services, stuff like this. Yeah. Now, here's why her death wasn't a mystery, okay? She was likely killed by her husband in a murder-suicide. They found a suicide note by the husband and also, like, the evidence showed that he shot her first and then turned the gun on himself. And so, case closed. Like, there's, there's like, sad, you know, 
I mean, she sounds like a terrible person, but still. But it sounds like the, like there's no mystery here, right? If you have a suicide note and the person with the gun to themselves clearly shot themselves after they shot, you know, their wife, that pretty much is it, right? But it's a mystery to cover up how bad child protective services are from stealing all your kids. CPS framed them. It's just so, like, wild to me. That, like, these sort of, like, like, talking points, like, never end. Like, I feel now, like, after this story, there's going to be, especially with all the stuff coming out with, like, the trans stuff, that there is going to be an increase on attacks on child protective services and this idea of, like, they're they're now coming to like take I mean those stories were already starting to bubble up, but I feel like that's gonna increase as this panic starts to increase. And so Yeah. Yeah, not fun. And so, you know, we could already hit on some of these conspiracy points and why they're bullshit if you end up hearing people talking about them. But like again, there are problems with child protective services. Uh in that there's problems with every system within our capitalist framework, you know. Our racist and capitalist society has problems. Yes. Whoa. But (laughs) in terms of like, you know, does that mean we should just scrap all of child protective services? In a perfect world, maybe, but we don't have that perfect world yet. And uh, I think we need to protect some kids from parents who want to medically neglect them. In my Humble opinion. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those, like, yeah, we live in a shitty world, but, like, getting rid of a shitty social service and replacing it with nothing will just make things worse. It'll harm a lot of kids. Now, I want to end by... uh just talking about Lafredo, because I was just like, I was so curious after this, given that we had the Amish story with the raw milk, and now we have this child protective uh, service story. I'm just like, who the fuck is this guy? Where did he come from? What is he doing? What's his opinion on Alfredo sauce? (laughs) They should call it Lafredo sauce. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We need to get, uh, we need to get Frank on the show. Frank D'Angelo, he could tell us. (laughs) We'll get our boy Frankie on the case. Forget about it. (laughs) Make him some fucking soup for my fucking family. (laughs) Apparently, Lafredo got his bachelor's in journalism from Manhattan College, where he graduated in 2019. So he's a young graduate here. And New Yorker. Yeah. While he was a student. (laughs) I mean, it is the high Italian demographic in New York. You know, Lafredo is leaning into all the stereotypes here. No, he should be from Joycey. The interesting thing is, while a student, as a student, he worked at a radio station in New York uh, that's called WBAI, and it's a left-wing station that hosts commentators like Tom Hartman, who's a famous uh, progressive radio personality. I think he even had a show on Russia Today at some point, but but that is where sort of like Lafredo started working. It's also interesting because i found one of lafredo's uh writings from his time in school that was available online and the article he wrote is about how media manufacturers consent on the topic of venezuela 
specifically that the media portrays the Chavista supporters as unruly black mobs while the opposition is seen as white and civil. And it was critical of this dichotomy, suggesting that this was like a way of Western media sources to delegitimize Venezuelans. And I was like, I agree with this. (laughs) I'm a little worried. (laughs) Now, immediately out of school, Lafredo started working for Russia Today, which there we go doesn't surprise me. And specifically, he worked for Rick Sanchez, who is a disgraced CNN reporter who was fired from CNN after implying that Jews controlled the media. Uh, in part because it was like in something where Rick Sanchez was complaining about uh, being oppressed by people within media spheres. And someone asked him, like, well, what about, like, John Stewart? He's Jewish. He's a minority. And Rick Sanchez went on a rant about how, like, oh, no, his minority, like, controls the media, basically. So he got canned by CNN. And then I think he worked for a bit at Fox News and eventually went to Russia Today. Now, while at Russia Today, Lafredo started writing for a website that was called The Defender. And The Defender is by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's mostly known as being a anti-vaccine person. And RFK Jr. has been anti-vaccine before COVID. Like, yeah, he's he's been in the circuit for a while. He was even, he started pushing Trump early on in Trump's presidency to, like, get him on a panel to sort of reduce vaccine intake and stuff like this. Because Trump even, like, hinted at the beginning of his presidency that he was anti-vaccine. So Lafredo got started uh, writing for uh, this website. So already you could see he's like, he seems somewhat left wing, but then also believes a lot of these like pseudoscience stuff and is now uh, working for Russia state affiliated media, as well as a COVID denier and vaccine denier. I then found out that he started co-authoring articles with Max Blumenthal for Grezo. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's still, like, two weeks ago, uh, Max Blumenthal, like, made a tweet that added Jeremy Lafredo talking about how um, he wrote an article for the Gray Zone on Bill Gates' investment in distributing oral polio vaccines in Africa um, and on their potential to spawn a vaccine-derived polio outbreak, which is a thing that is happening, but... They're still, you know, it's one of those like, oh, yeah, they they sure are still in contact, huh? Yeah. And Max, uh, I mean, like, I, I've, I've. Max is also a fascist hack. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, I've I've been critical of the gray zone, like, for a while. Like, they, it's, it annoys me because especially when they're talking about, like, South America, like, there's some things that they do where, like, I agree with them. Like, American imperialism is bad, you know? But then they they take it to an extreme of just like extreme in terms of like inadequately sourcing their claims. <laughs> you know, it's like I can be against American imperialism, but I want factual information when it comes to that. And I don't think you're going to find that on Gray Zone. Now, immediately after being let go from Russia Today and, and that he got let go from Russia Today because Russia Today had to close uh, the uh this was after the you know election and covid denialism and all this stuff russia today was basically 
denied access in America. And so all their offices had to shut down. And so by March 22nd, when the office closed in New York, Lafredo started working for Rebel News right away. <laughs> so immediately for Russia Today, started working for Rebel News and is now Rebel News' uh, chief New York investigative producer. I don't know. It's just like th- there's something that is weird about th- there's these these people out there that are these kind of like anti-imperialists and people who have been critical of things like Big Pharma even before COVID that they were just like primed to become fascists for some reason, right? Even though like I share some like sympathetic aspects of like their belief system, which is like, yeah, I am critical of Big Pharma. Or like, I am like not a fan of American imperialism. But there was like just a group of people that are, you know, they were associated with Gray Zone. You had a similar thing happen with like Jimmy Dore. You now have these idiots running around calling themselves MAGA communists. Have you heard about this shit? I've seen some of it, yeah. And it's like, I don't know what, it's like their brains broke at some point in the past like 10 years. And they went from being like perceived by many as being left wing to just like falling for a lot of like fascist bullshit. And so it's weird. That's how you get someone who, while in college, was writing about the mistreatment of Venezuela in the media to now work for an organization that has been super critical of Venezuela uh, to the point uh, that it's like inaccurate, you know? manufacturing the exact consent that he wrote about <laughs> in his college article, you know? Yeah. So just, uh, yeah, I thought it was worth just digging into this guy because, like, I feel like he's he's going to have more stories like this. And it's just, like, fascinating to me watching, like, how these people get co-opted into, like, the right-wing, right-wing media sphere and just, like... That, is, that and the fact that the right-wing knows that these types of people are people that you can hire... For, to work for you, you know? Because they're clearly going after these people and hiring them for their network. These kind of like people who have this veneer of working class left-wing credibility, but then all they do is promote fascist ideology. Yep. There's, whoa, people who are critical of the system and then turn that critique into, you know support for horrific policies or a revitalization of the nation um wow they're gonna be bad yep you know like wow we're in a time of rising fascism and some of them are socialists but they want to be socialists in a national patriotic sense i'm i'm so left-wing and anti-imperialist that i'm going to work with christo fascists to allow parents to medically neglect the kids because they're fascists because they're because they're national socialists jody they're they're socialists for the nation dear lord (laughs) so what's coming i know i know on that note there was one more day left and it was it was so silly sheila gunn reed was the uh the host and she was like Trudeau's gun ban is bad. And then the interview segment was her interviewing Katie Davis Court, who again is the another American correspondent that they recently hired who's also wacky. And she is upset that there is a 
homeless building of some kind or like a building to to deal uh, with houseless people to like help them in some capacity. And it's being built near Chinatown. And she's trying to stir up like racial hatreds there by being like, this is because the, the city hates Chinese people. And that's why they're building the homeless shelter there. Something like that. And I, you know, I, I was like, I've got enough with the Jeremy Lafredo story. <laughs> I don't need to investigate this uh, white lady, I guess, complaining for the Chinese community in Seattle. <laughs> Just seemed a little silly to me. That's rebel news. <laughs> Just a bit should, silly. <laughs> we should end every show like that. And that's Rebel News. <laughs> Medically neglecting your kids? That's Rebel News. Being horrifically misogynistic towards female reporters. <laughs> that's Rebel News. Take a nap this week, folks. I don't want to. Don't tell me. Take it easy. <laughs> don't tell me how to live my life. <laughs> You're going to take a nap, Jody. You're going to take a nap this week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a choice. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> Forget about it. I still, I had several people write me, but they were like, oh, I know Frank D'Angelo too. Uh, and like, so... Shout out, shout out as well to Bud Rhino. He was like the first to like <laughs> show up. And be like, oh, I cheat all the time. <laughs> uh, funny oh, thing is, <laughs> I feel like it's next week because I've already prepared for our next recording. Uh, I'm pretty sure David Menzies at some point mentions Phil Leposito, who is the guy who still has a show with Frank D'Angelo. So I'm like, whoa, the connections. <laughs> place we're gonna talk get to talk about frank d'angelo and ben johnson again i want you know it'll be incredible frank d'angelo actually ends up on rebels because he's going after the government who's coming after him for tax fraud so i hope they bring back uh cheetah (laughs) i hope rebel news gets sponsored by no they they should get ben johnson to write ads for rebel news (laughs) i hope I hope Cheetah gets sponsored by Rebel News. Uh, I rebel all the time. <laughs> That's actually a really great, <laughs> like, urban guerrilla Marxist group. Oh my god! <laughs> I rebel all the time. <laughs> oh, well, on that note, if you if you want more Frank D'Angelo content in the future. Uh, please consider donating to us on <laughs> patreon.com slash imperial news if you want to stay, stay informed about what we're doing you can also find us on twitter at imperial news with a z we have a discord set up we do twitch streams every monday wednesday and friday uh at least so long as other stuff aren't happening in life <laughs> and you can find videos on our youtube channel and you can find all the links in our show notes of this episode lastly you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news or gmail.com Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at masontickle.com. Thank you for listening and treating illness 
appropriately, you cancel. <laughs> Only in appropriate ways of treating illness is how we do it now. I rebel all the time. <laughs> Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields?